Welcome to the PopGo Project Podcast, a platform for the discussion and discovery of arts and entertainment. We focus on highlighting people and events that add value to the world around us. Visit us on all social media platforms by searching The PopGo Project or visit our website at thepopgoproject.com. Welcome to the show and thank you so much for listening. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Keller's Garden Center and Landscaping Services. Are you still cutting your own grass? Are you still trying to get your landscaping to look perfect on your own? That sounds sweaty. That sounds like a lot of work. That sounds like a job for Keller's Garden Center and Landscaping Services. Family-owned and operated Keller's Garden Center and Landscaping Services, located on Kern Street in Exeter near Blue Ribbon Dairy, has the quality and experience to get your yard looking its best. The Garden Center offers plants, trees, sod, mulch, rocks, flowers, topsoil, grass seed, straw bales, and much more while the Lawn and Landscaping Services offers mowing, trimming, planting, and full landscaping. Visit them on their social media pages for more info. Keller's Garden Center and Landscaping Services. Get your free estimate today. And we're live. Welcome to the show. Chris Hodges, how are you? Good, man. How are you? Good, man. That uh, that picture you had up there earlier was uh, that was sweet. I mean, I would love to do that. Uh, my hair is also long on top, uh, but I feel like I can't pull it off. I'm not a rock star. I just uh, pretend to be one. Um, uh, my when my hair got long, it it wasn't cool long. Like a lot of people can pull it off cool long. Miles Kennedy has cool long hair. Yeah. So- Bach has cool long hair. When my hair gets long, it gets like just stringy and kind of annoying. So in pictures, it may look cool, but the second that I move my head, it looks awful. So I'm glad the picture looks cool. Well, the hair looks cool now too. I mean, you're styling. This is easy, man. This is easy. How do you do that? Uh, dude, it is this. Uh, first of all, my wife cuts it. Okay. And That's sweet. The product is is called hair dust, and it's like literally like putting baby like baby powder on your hair. Yes, you know what I'm talking about. It's I really- actually I have some. Um, I, I'm lazy when it comes to my hair. Like there's times where it gets too long, and I'll shave everything off. Like I just I don't want to be bothered in the morning. I want to shower uh, and go. Um, I'm very lazy. But go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I think that's, I think, um, I think that was it. It's, it's a suit. It's for, it's made for lazy people. So you literally just sprinkle it on your head and you go like this and you're done. Okay. I have some, I forget what the brand is called. I have some, I tried it one time. I don't know if my hair was not the proper length or what, maybe it was too damp or I don't know. I'm going to try to get sponsored by this company and then I'll tell you who it is. Okay. Or I was going to tell you to just say the name now because, I mean, you're going to be broadcasted to a millions, millions of listeners from this oh, podcast. Hold on a second. I'll go get it. <laughs> I'm only kidding. you. <laughs> Chris is going to get some hair product. He's going to show me how to how it's done. If you're just listening to this, uh, an audio version, uh, this is also available to watch on Facebook and YouTube and all that kind of fun stuff. Oh, he's back. He's back. This is called Level 3 Styling Powder. Okay. I forget what mine's called. 
There's 33% more. Okay. You're uh, not only styling, but you're styling on a budget. I mean, you're, you're saving money. <laughs> like 12 bucks, dude. <laughs> no, but there's 33% more on there. It's true. You know? But Chris, thanks so much for joining me tonight. Uh, I always get excited uh, when I get to talk to artists who are not from uh, the area that I live in. I'm currently in the Scranton, Wilkes-Barre area. That's where I'm from. That's where I spent my time in media and radio. And uh, currently I work for a screen printing company called Axel Rad Screen Printing. It's on my hat. Um, where we get to uh, print for awesome, awesome customers like Breaking Benjamin and a lot of uh, different bands throughout the the country which has been really cool but uh so i'm excited to talk to you tonight yeah that's killer i'm excited to talk to you i'm on the other side of the country over here in los angeles right now what's it like out there well um it's hot right now it's about 102 degrees um we get that way once a once a year i would say and it's super hot right now but we i was talking to somebody the other day how we don't have seasons and I'm originally from Dallas, Texas, where we had seasons. I know Pennsylvania has seasons. L.A. doesn't really, especially on the coast, we don't really have seasons. But it's gorgeous, you know, all year round. Sure. So I have no problem with it. But whenever I travel and I tour and I get to see a thunderstorm or I get to see, like, you know, clouds, it's quite nice. <sighs> Yeah, I mean, this this area of the country, you know, we have the four seasons and things like that, and everyone kind of, you know, is happy about that. I particularly am not. Um, I feel like we have almost had like six months of a winter, or at least six months of just gloom. Um, I'm a big summer guy. I like fall, too. I, I, I like the, you know, that the, the heat kind of dies down, and you can put on a hoodie and, you know, football season and things like that. But, I mean, the winter and spring, I, I'm out. Is it? Is it? hot in the spring like when does it get hot in around here it doesn't start getting hot until like i feel like june these days i mean typically you know late march april may it's just kind of rainy and gloomy and but i mean everything's dead i mean everything's coming back to life everyone says yeah it's, you know rejuvenation and everything's you know coming back to life everything's great uh, i just see mud and dampness and shit yeah i want, I want the heat it makes you feel better. We have fires. Yeah, that's not fun. That's I, I keep seeing that every time I put the news on. There's there's fires in California, bro. We had a fire that you, you know how the four you know about the four hundred five and the one hundred one out here and kind of where they connect. No, no, I've never been. That's so you never been to L.A. No. Oh, you should come out, man. All right, I'll come stay with you. Please do. I got. <laughs> A bed. All right. I've got an open invite. So uh, when the 101 meets the 405, this is kind of when you hit the west side. And this is where you hit like Santa Monica. You can hit like, you know, Malibu, everything. And there's this big mountain. Once you pass the 405, there's this big, huge mountain. And last year, that mountain caught on fire and the whole mountain was on fire. Like and it was blowing into the 405 traffic, which is the busiest freeway in America. Sure, blowing into the 405, and nobody could get anywhere. It was like blocking traffic. It was blinding everyone. So our fires are getting actually quite aggressive out here. It's not fun. No, I mean the pictures and the images I see on on the news. 
Uh, it's scary. Brutal, man. Yeah. But other than that, but you're, you're okay. I'm cool. I'm not, not on the West side, so I'm cool. That's good. Good. Yeah. Good. And what's LA like? I mean, you know, the pandemic and we'll get into the music. And I, I hate talking about the pandemic because I feel like that's all we talk about, but it's like, if we didn't talk about it, we'd be like just dismissing two and a half years of our lives. Um, I feel like there was a mass exodus uh, from LA. Dude, there was a mass exodus during LA. And um, it was interesting because the, and I don't know if this was just LA or if this was all over the country, maybe you have some insight on this, but when the pandemic hit, it gave people a choice. You could either like your bubble could get smaller and you could get fearful and you could just do your nine to five or just stay inside or do these things. Or you can, you can kind of expand, create, give this, give this an opportunity, give this, you know, this time an opportunity to have your creative juices flowing and create something new. And I saw half of LA leave and their bubble got smaller and I saw half of LA say, you know what? I'm going to take some chances that I've never taken before. I'm going to create this. I'm going to create that. I'm going to go do a podcast. I'm going to go do a TV show. And with me specifically, I said, I'm going to create an album. I'm going to create the album that I want to create. And um, with no holds bar, it's going to be multiple genres. It's going to be the weirdest shit you've ever heard. But it's true to me. And I don't know. Do you have that experience? Like, did you see that kind of like that split down the middle? So a lot of people that I talked to, a lot of musicians that I talked to, and I was really concerned um, when this all happened about musicians in general and artists and things like that. You know, music is such a creative space. And, you know, in addition to creating that music, you know, performing it for an audience is an important part of that. And I was very concerned about, you know, you know mental health in general is such a, a well-documented thing, I think these days, and it's, it's people are more aware of it and they acknowledge it. And I was worried. Um, but a lot of people that I talked to, they said the exact same thing you did that they kind of sat down and got creative and um, wrote new music and, and, made and had time to do things they never had time to do before because they was always out playing shows and touring and things like that so it was almost a nice reset so to speak for for musicians that i've that i've talked to anyways mm -hmm. i was off the road for two years yeah i couldn't perform i uh it's funny you you mentioned mental health awareness with with uh we donate a portion of our proceeds to mental health awareness nonprofits like 320 changes direction and to write love on her arms, which is based out of Florida. And um, they were overrun with, you know, an influx of people needing help during this period of time. And uh, I was talking with the owner of to write love on her arms. And he was just like, this is, this is, uh, this is an epidemic. This is the pandemic mm -hmm. until health is the pandemic. Yeah. Um, I'm just really glad that we were able to get back out into the world and tour again and be with each other. It really shows that we can't go without each other. We really need to be with each other. And um that was a that was that was a serious time, dude. Yeah, I mean what a what a what a time. I mean, I you know, I never thought we'd experience anything like this and 
um, you know, as a parent, uh, you know, just not knowing what was going on. And, and I was a, in the, uh, the radio business and I was a, a commission sales rep, um, in addition to my radio show that we talked about before we started recording. But I mean, that, that crushed me financially. I mean, no one was advertising. I mean, the whole world changed, like everything just came to a halt and, um, yeah, mental health. I mean, like, well, I mean, what do you think you mentioned it was like an epidemic, like, what do you think contributes to that? I mean, is it the world we live in? Like, and I say this a lot too, it's, we have so much going on. Like there's just the world's moving so fast and as bad as the pandemic was and continues to kind of be, I think, I think we're kind of out of it now and won't get too much in that, but like, it must needed that like reset, that pause, that break. Did you, um, I, I don't know how, uh, how deep you go into these types of things, but, um, have you ever done like meditation or anything like that? I haven't. So in 2019, right before the pandemic hit, I discovered meditation and, uh, I had struggled with mental health problems, depression, anxiety, my entire life. Uh, I think that to answer your question briefly, I think that um, a lot of us are born with struggles. I think it's genetic. I think that it's circumstantial. I think that there's a lot of variables that play into it, but I don't think that it's permanent. And I think that it is changeable. And when I discovered meditation, um, I started to, it started to peel away my ego and the ego, what I realized, the ego was causing a lot of my depression and a lot of my anxiety, who I thought I was. So, for instance, in some of my meditations, what I started realizing was I needed to separate my self-worth from what I do. So, for instance, in the music business, you can be on the top of the world one day and you can have no work the next day, i.e. the pandemic. Right. This has no bearing on your self-worth. It doesn't matter if you're working a lot or not working at all. What you do has no bearing, no, no, uh, it, it doesn't have anything to do with your self-worth. And after I kind of started learning that, um, it was like the next thing I heard in my meditations was you need to separate how much money you make from your self-worth. And, you know, you mentioned, well, we lost all of our money. We lost our jobs. You're right. And this was a really important moment in history for us to de to de uh, to, to detach ourselves, how much we make from our self-worth. And so it's interesting that I started learning all of this before the pandemic hit because the pandemic hit and all of a sudden we don't have jobs. We don't have money. We don't have any of these things that originally defined us. So who are we if we don't have any of these things that define us? And this is a beautiful place to be because you realize that you're not what you do. You're not how much money you make. You're not any of these things. You just are. And your value lies within just you existing. Wow. <laughs> That's one of what I learned during that process. Yeah. You're right. 100%. Yeah. I didn't think we'd get that deep today. Sorry, dude. I went deep real no, quick. That's, that's okay. I mean, that's why I like doing these. I mean, obviously, we're going to talk about music, but I mean, I, I like to, you know, talk about life. I mean, this is, 
what we're going through and what we're dealing with. Uh, yeah, but meditation, I, I hear a lot of great things. I just, it's never been something that I've explored. Um, I probably should. I mean, there's been times where I've considered, you know, talking to somebody just about, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't say I'm like, I have anything particular going on. I just feel like sometimes the world's a lot, you know, it's, you know, you're, I'm a husband, I'm a father, I have a job and I do this and I do that. And it's just like, it. sometimes it feels like it's a lot. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's a lot of almost like beating yourself up. Like, am I being a good husband? Am I being a good father? Can I do more? Can I be better? And it's like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. If you go, if you go in and do a self check. So when you go inside and you do your self check, um, you go in with no, with no preconceived notions, no dogmas, no judgment, no religious affiliations. You just go in because when you go in, uh, with a blank slate, then that's whenever you'll hear what you need to hear. And so what I needed to hear was to de to, to detach my value from my money, from my jobs, from all of this. Maybe what you need to hear is that you are a good father and you are doing everything that you need to do to support and love your family. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it is. But um, I know that when you go inside and you focus on what your inner self is telling you, that's going to manifest itself into the physical world and you will be what you are feeling inside. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I'm glad we're doing this. Dude, were we 10 minutes into this? We're going yeah. deep. <laughs> we didn't even touch the music yet. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I appreciate that insight. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely something I'm going to take away from this conversation and, and, and explore for sure. It's it's one thing to, to 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 question it yourself and to hear, you know, oh, you're doing a great job, you're doing a great job. But if you go inside, um, a couple of things happened to me. Um, I, I what's called I did some what's called shadow work, and shadow work is basically uh, what's behind the shadows that I need to work on. For me, it was ego. And ego was causing multiple problems in my life. And uh, that's not to say that I was shamed during my meditation. It was just like, no, this is a this is an area that you need to work on. This is this this situation is causing these variables to happen. And once you address this, then these things will be fixed. And um, it, it, meditation's cool, dude. If if you go into it with a clear mind, um, it's it's a lot of fun, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you said ego, did that ego come from, you know, being the musician and being on stages and being in front of an audience and crowds and, and things like that? It didn't originally start that way. The The ego started from trauma. The ego started from trauma from my childhood. And, uh, and defenses came up and, um, and uh, trying to ignore certain things that happened and um, try to create this perception of myself that I did like because uh, I had this perception of myself that I didn't like and both are ego, both are personalities that I created. And so I've got all these personalities and egos that I've created. And um, once I hit the stage, um, stage will definitely fill your ego. It definitely will. But that's not where it started. It started from trauma 
it didn't start from, you know, loving and adoring people. <laughs> wow. Let me go deeper. <laughs> yeah. So that, and that's where, that's where most of our learned behaviors happen is in childhood. So, you know, yeah, I mean, lives undoing the shit that happened to us in childhood. Yeah. And I think that goes back to what I was saying before about being a good father. Like, you know, it's, it's so much starts at, at a young age and it's like, there's so much responsibility uh, on parents and people that are raising children because, you know, if we keep having kids and, and, you know, doing this whole cycle where, you know, we, we put our, you know, negative aspects or whatever it might be onto them. It just, it's a continuous circle. It's just, it's just this vicious thing. And we just continue to raise shit people and it's just a mess. But, um, mm -hmm. and I mean, I, I think a lot of uh, our world problems would uh, not be fixed, but, would be helped with, you know, education and, you know, you know, we, we're finally starting to address the mental health, you know, issues in, in America. And um, I think it's a good, a good step in the right direction, but I mean, you know, education and being aware of those things, you know, that's how we're going to be better people in my opinion. Mm -hmm, I agree. And if you think about it, it's all, it's all relatively new. Um, PTSD didn't exist. That word PTSD, I don't remember existed in 2001, um, this is kind of a new term of, of, of tra uh, trauma that happens to soldiers and not just soldiers. It happens to everybody. PTSD happens to everybody, but this is a new term and it makes you think like, what the hell? These people must have thought they were crazy before they realized that this is an actual disorder. Mm -hmm. That's the same thing that now that we're talking about mental health, it's really cool because I, I remember when mental health started becoming mainstream and I'm like, oh, thank God, like, I'm not crazy. I'm not the only one like this is an actual disorder. This is a disease that is being recognized by a lot of people. And so normalizing it, just normalizing mental health awareness, I think, is easing the, the heaviness of depression and anxiety for a lot of people. And what I'm finding whenever I go on stage, I talk about mental health. Every single time I'm on stage, I talk about mental health. And when I get off stage, I typically like to meet every single person that would like to come up to the merchandise booth and hang out and take pictures, sign autographs, and just talk about shit. And just doing that, I mean, that not one night goes by when, you know, five, ten people aren't showing up at the merger booth saying, thank you so much for normalizing mental health because I, you know, tried to take my life two weeks ago and this happened and that happened. And I'm just so glad that I'm still here to experience this. And so I don't know where we're going to go with mental health. I, I think education is a great idea. Uh, I'm just stoked that we're actually talking about it because that has lifted the pressure uh, of depression and anxiety as of right now. And how important is it to you and, and how um, you know, happy does it make you that, you know, you get to create music and touch people in a way, you know, through music that they say to you, like, you know, this was amazing. Like what a great experience. I'm glad, you know, I didn't do what I thought about doing. Like how much does that mean to you? So you tapped on something earlier where you said that does being on stage feed your ego and did it, is that where the ego came created? Um, 
when we go deeper and we realize that we're this 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 thing that we're doing is bigger than just a person on stage or people on stage and like this is a bigger thing that we're talking about this is a bigger movement that we're talking about and so there is no ego um when we're down and talking to people and and meeting people that are like-minded that struggle with the same things that I struggle with and that we struggle with there's there's no ego but there is a beautiful satisfaction of alignment that w- that what we're doing is the right thing you know what i'm saying it's mm-hmm. more less you know joyous that that we're having this dis- discussion or happy it's more like okay we're aligned and when we're aligned um that's a movement right well i mean we need more people like you to to share that messaging and um you know again i'm happy to be talking to you uh today um you know you mentioned through the pandemic you um created an album now is this the album that will be coming out on october 7th october 7th yeah so in 2020 like i think it was about february or march so to back up a little bit um i've been a session musician for the past decade out here in la and I've been writing for different artists and um, writing for Paramount Pictures. I wrote for a couple of movies, that recent movies that have come out. Um, and just being a session guy and writing music for other people. And kind of like what we were talking about at the beginning of this, when the pandemic hit, it was like, okay, there there are no rules. N- none of this shit's actually real. Like if I, if I was to drop everything and do what I wanted to do right now, what would I do? And I, I just asked myself that. And the the answer was, well, I would, I would create my own music. I would create something that I wanted to create. I would take my influences of BB King and Michael Jackson and, uh, and, and freaking boys to men and, you know, Madonna, I would take those influences and I would fuse it with Alice in Chains and Stone Temple Pilots and Corn and Deftones. Like, what would that sound like if I took those two things and I molded them together? Um, cause that's how I grew up. Those are the two genres that, uh, that I've really stuck in my, in my, in my wheelhouse here. And so I got together with a couple of producers and writers that I've met along my journey of being a session guy. And I said, this is kind of what I want to do. I want to create this weird conglomerate of pop, metal, electronic, like what, what can we come up with? And um, this is two years in the making. And uh, I've released a few singles already to test the waters to see if there would be an audience for this. There is an audience for this. And that makes me very happy. And so now on October 7th, I released the album that was born from um, sacrifice. That was born from throwing everything away that I knew of my whole career as a session guy and jumping into a creative artistic space. Um, And this is what the album is. Now, when you said you um, were a session guy and, and writing for other people, um, what was that like? What, what, what does that look like? It's really cool, actually. So most of the people that I've collaborated with, I've never met in person. So um, people would contact me, uh, studios contact me, people would contact me, and they would have a piece of music. 
and they would send it to me. And I'm I'm what's called a top line specialist. So I write lyrics, I write melodies, and I track vocals. So that's my wheelhouse. That's my lane. And so people are looking for singers, male singers that are versatile. They can do pop, they can do rock, they can do blues, they can do country. And so they would send me this music and I would say, okay, I, I think that this song is going in this direction musically, lyrically, melodically. And I would write for them and I'd also arrange the music for them. So I think this should go here. I think that should go here. And then I send everything back to them and then they mix it, master it and put it out. <laughs> so that was my main job was sitting in my studio and just taking, taking in music and notes and listening and creating what I envisioned they wanted out of this music. I also uh, mimicked lead singers for <laughs> for a period of time. So Paramount would hire me to uh, to redo a song or re-sing a song that sound that, and I had to mimic the per the original singer that did it. So we did the new Baywatch with The Rock and Zac Efron. We redid the original song, the original theme song to Baywatch. And so I had to sing like this big burly '80s dude that you know. And so that's just that was my lane. I I found a way to manipulate my voice to to sound like however I needed to sound. And that uh, was you on the that. So I know that my voice was on the was on the commercials. I don't know if my voice actually made it onto the movie. Got it. But I was on I was on the commercials for the new Baywatch. <laughs> That's sweet. Yeah. That was a good movie. I liked it. I thought it was funny. Yeah. It was... I'm a big yeah. fan of Zac Efron and The Rock. Efron is ripped AF, by the I way. I know, yeah. Yeah, don't tell don't tell my wife. <laughs> Dude, seriously. Well, I mean, I'm sure she's seen the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Same. yeah, well, I mean, you look in much better shape than me. I... I just yesterday, my son uh, came home from school, and uh, he said, I, "Daddy, I drew a picture of our family." And we just had uh, eight weeks ago. We just had a, a a little girl. So my son's almost five. We'll be five in December. We have an eight week old little girl. And you know, when we told him about having a sister, he was not really excited about it. You know, it took him. I mean, not not long to get like you know happy about it when she came but um you know i was always wondering how he would adapt to the whole thing he's been great he's been absolutely wonderful i i couldn't be more proud of him and and you know kind of you know he was an only child for four and a half years like all the attention was on him mm. so when i saw the picture i i was i counted really quick to see how many people he drew and there were four and one was really small so i was like all right sweet like he included his sister in this this is great so i said uh lincoln um how uh who did you draw and he said, this one's mommy, this one's me, this one's London, and this one's you with the big belly. <laughs> and he he drew like this area of the belly, like he like highlighted it. And I'm like, shit. Yeah. Don't you love how unfiltered children are? Um, most of the time, yeah. Except for that one. I was like, oh, okay, that's uh I've been saying I need to do something, but um yeah, uh great. Well. 
I feel like that's a non-judgmental response. Like it's a not, you know, this is, you know, he's just, he's just, you know, pointing out. Yeah. Know. I mean, I know it's there. I don't need to be reminded of it. <laughs> <laughs> that's great, dude. But, oh, but uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a fun, and then it didn't end last night. It, it went into this morning and he, uh, I was getting ready for school and he's, uh, he said, uh, do you have a lot of food in your belly? Is there a house in there? I'm like, but oh, like, kept going. It's, yeah, it's, like, it wasn't even like he was like he, I didn't. I wasn't like visibly like upset by it, or I didn't really acknowledge it too much about the whole thing. So it wasn't like he was like like purposely picking on me. It was just you know, yeah. I don't know, kids. I feel like you have a comedy bit going. Like if it continues for about three more days, like you got a comedy bit, bro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just said uh, I posted on social media. It did really, it did really well amongst the uh, the people. A lot of likes, a lot of laughs. And I just said, if anyone needs me, I'll be over here crying and never eating again. That's comedy, man. Self deprecation. But this is not me about me and my belly. This is about you. Um, you know, you're talking about being a session musician, and and you know, um, we were talking about you. You did the this is the stuff for Baywatch. Um, what else have you done? Um, uh, so funny story, uh, the new Top Gun. So the, the story goes like this. So, um, uh, Randy, Randy Spinlove, who is a friend of mine and he's, uh, he's the president of Paramount Music and, uh, he was heavily involved in the making of Top Gun. And mind you, this was made a couple of years ago, like two, maybe three years ago. And, um, so he calls me in the middle of the night and he says, Hey man, so we have Miles Teller here. We're doing the piano scene at the bar and we like, we, we can't get the, we can't get the vocals right. And we need you to rush to your studio right now and record, um, great balls of fire so that we can have the cast lip sync to your voice. And so I jump out of my, you know, I'm already I'm ready for bed, dude. I jump out of my bed. I run to my studio. I record, um, a couple of versions of great balls of fire and I'm trying to do a really good job, you know, and he calls me, he's like, cool. That's awesome. Um, it's, it's way too accurate. Like you have to remember this is a bar scene and everybody's drunk. So I need you to sing this as shitty as possible. Nice. So I was like, no problem, dude. It's one in the morning and I can do that for you. So I recorded this really shitty version of Great Balls of Fire and um, and sent it over to them so that they could lip sync to my voice uh, to shoot that scene at the bar. And uh, I don't think my voice uh, made it into the final cut, yeah. but kind of a cool story. Yeah. Uh, being woken up in the middle of the night and having to rush to my studio and seeing a shitty version of Great Balls of Fire for Paramount Studios. The best part was that's too good. We need it to be shitty. It needs to be shitty. Yeah. Gotta be shitty. Because I was trying to do a good job and we're in studios and we have and shit. So I just had to, you know. Yeah, you have access to a great microphone. I was was joking earlier. I I thought when I started this podcast I'd uh, be talking to musicians and they'd uh, utilize their equipment yeah. <laughs> a lot, and, and few do. I had to go grab my SM58 from the closet and just, like, you know, be a shit singer. 
<laughs> it's almost like musicians like like we don't want to we're we're always using these microphones we want to be away from them like we're not going to use this for the podcast we're just going to talk into the computer i like my sm7 does this sound good sounds great yeah i like this thing i actually just got it i was on a i have a rode k2 and um condenser mic and it's cool it's a lot man it's very heavy it's very uh cumbersome and i i I think it's a little too warm i like the sound of this sm7 here yeah yeah i've considered getting one i have this it's just a uh, when i started this it's like a blue yeti um it gets the job done i guess you sound good yeah i didn't know how long i'd be doing this for i i just i um i took a chance i uh, I said earlier I was in the uh, I've been around the local media and music scene for like since the start of my career back in like '04, um, and then when the radio show ended, I was sat back and I'm like, you know, who am I? Like I felt like I lost a part of my identity, and um, I, I was like, I think I need the the local music scene and, and music in general more than they need me to help promote them right. so i kind of just started this and i forced my, my way back into it <laughs> well dude and we're talking about reinventing ourselves um over and over again you had already done it before the pandemic hit this was before the pandemic hit right well i had the the radio show but i also had a podcast like as an extension of the radio show that i was doing Mm-hmm. um yeah before the pandemic so yeah but yeah. then during the pandemic the radio show was canceled because the uh station flipped formats yeah so you you had this to kind of fall back on i guess yeah i, mean, I think it's cool dude like i said i was reading up on you and it's just very inspirational how you're you're keeping music alive and creative artistry alive and um yeah it's very cool dude you might be the first person that's ever looked me up. Yeah. Cool. I <laughs> no up. joke. No joke. That's yeah. pretty sweet. I have things to talk about, bro. Yeah, man. A lot of, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of synergy with what you're doing. And yeah, I love it, dude. It's great. Thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah. It's, um, you know, just wanted a space for people to, you know, the radio was great. The, the, and doing the show, I was able to highlight, you know, 12, 13, 14 artists, uh, in a, in a show. And, uh, play their music for people, but you know, and I could do interviews too. But it was those quick, like two-minute stock, you know, interviews. Like, so you have a show coming up, or a new album, or you know, how'd you get the name, and blah blah blah. And it's like you can only get so much in those those two minutes. And I really wanted to, you know, have conversations about the music, and then even more. Obviously, we started talking about mental health right out of the gate, and that's the stuff I wanted to definitely. I wanted to be able to talk to musicians and and give people an idea of who they are outside of just, you know, the music that they hear. So mm-hmm. plus I'm yeah. a huge fan of Joe Rogan. I don't know if that, you know, is a strike against me or for me in your mind. I mean, he's a polarizing figure and people love him and people hate him, but I think what he's doing is he's, de- he's decentralizing, um, he's decentralizing media and where people get their information and he's decentralizing entertainment uh, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Everything's getting decentralized right now. It's amazing. The, the the music industry has fallen apart. It's not just labels anymore. It's decentralized. Uh, media is now decentralized, and he's part of that. And I kind of think it's really cool because if the music industry hadn't have changed, I wouldn't have a shot right now. 
I wouldn't have a shot at making making a living doing this. But because it's decentralized and I'm able to con- you know find different avenues to find my audience, then I have a shot. Same thing with you. It, it, radio canceled your shit. Okay, well, I'm going to go start a podcast and I'm going to decentralize myself and off of this format that won't allow me to talk about shit. And I'm going to go do my own thing. Now you, now your success and your trajectory is in your hands. So Joe Rogan is a part of that. He's one of the pioneers of it. So I think that's fantastic, dude. Yeah, he's the man. I think he's, uh, you know, people, like I said, people thought he was crazy, you know, during the whole pandemic and he, you know, he used certain drugs to you know help during his battle with COVID. Um, but it's just, it's so weird how people like are so tribal and it's like everything's so you're with me or against me. And what a, what a crazy world we live in where we're so divided. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a shame, but mm-hmm. you, you mentioned about, you know, you know, you in the, in the music business and, you know, back in the day, we had record labels, and they would kind of be the, the the machine, and they would you know promote and market, and there there was these you know huge bands, you know Pearl Jam, and, and all you know you name it, right? But like now, it's you know any idiot can have a podcast, and anybody can really put their music on Spotify. So there's such a it's almost oversaturated. So, but you you said that the way things are has helped you give you a chance. How have you utilized that? How have you taken advantage of all that, you know, to, you know, take yourself to, you know, where you are now? That's a really good question, dude. So I, I learned, I studied, I studied how social media works. I studied how Spotify works. I studied how playlists work. I studied how marketing works, how online marketing works. Um, I studied how other bands that, were successful without record labels. I looked and researched. And um, I, the, the, the biggest thing that I did was I studied. During 2020, when I was putting the music together, when I wasn't putting the music together, I was figuring out, okay, well, how are independent artists surviving these days without a label? And I just studied. For instance, um, Playlists became a really big thing. Playlists became the new labels. And everybody was trying to get their music on the biggest, baddest playlist. Well, um, I figured out that you don't have to be on the biggest, baddest playlist. You just have to market your music to the demographic of people that are going to like your music. Um, That's not necessarily a huge playlist. It could be a Facebook ad. It could be an Instagram ad that points to your Spotify account. And... I just learned from all of these people that were doing it, that were having some success from it. And, um, you know, I I think the digital streaming age provides you with analytics that you need to look at. You got to look at the analytics and find out, okay, so these are my fans. This is the area that my fans are in. This is what my fans are listening to. So you're starting to group yourself in with the fans that, or with the bands that your fans are listening to. And, you you form an identity, um, a brand, that way, and that's kind of what I did. Um, I already know touring. I've, I've been touring for a while. I'm in a uh, Lincoln Park tribute band. We get to tour around the country, and it's a lot of fun. And so I was going kn- to come full circle with that. You ruined yeah. it. You ruined it on me. Yeah, sorry. 
<laughs> but I, yeah, I, I know touring. And so that's a huge part of an independent artist business. And so I already know how to do that. I got my booking agent, uh, a couple of them. Um, and what I just had to figure out was, uh, how do I find my audience on social media? And so it's a very slow burn. It's a very slow growth. Um, but it is a real growth and, um, that's kind of how I did it. That's cool. I mean, the tools are at our fingertips, right? Um, but it's, it's a, it's a slow burn. Like you said, it's, you know, I grew up with, um, you know, cassettes and CDs and, and things like that. And it's like, now we have the, the, the whole library on Spotify or Apple or whatever service you use. Um, but I mean, it becomes like a full-time job. You, you mentioned the marketing and, and, and doing all that work and the studying and like, you almost need a full team doing all that stuff with you just because it's, you got to be on every platform and, and targeting every, you know, every uh, segment on, on all these platforms and you have to have video and you have to have all this content and they say content is king. And not, now we release singles, you know, you used to do it for your new, new album. Like it's crazy. It is crazy. But at the same time, you don't have to rent a studio for, for a year and a half to write eight songs and put out an album every four years. Like, it's it's not so resource heavy anymore to put out a song. Uh, I've written a song in 15 minutes uh, with my producers. Uh, and in fact, the song that's coming out um, neck on Friday, Vertigo, Vertigo was written in like 24 hours. And the whole thing was written in 24 hours. And um, and so we don't have to we can create content faster now. And it is of quality Right. And, um, and so you're right in, in the fact that we have to put out more content, but, um, you know, th th this day and age, you can do that if you are resourceful and you're quick and you're professional and you have a professional songwriting team. And, um, I think what happens is if you do, if you, if you start to gain traction, you're going to win people over when you win people over, you build your team. And so um, early on, I played some of my music for a few people, and some of the people did not like it at all. And one person heard it, and he was like, I really like this. Um, how can I help? Got him. I got one guy. Okay, cool. So I got one guy. Then that guy gets another guy, and then another guy gets another guy. And because I'm in L.A., you know, we're in the area of... Um, professional musicians, songwriters, producers, mixers, masters, booking agents, managers. So everybody knows somebody. And so it was just kind of like, can I get one person to like it? And then that one person will get another person. And then all of a sudden you have a team around you that is helping you get to this place. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. <clears throat> I'm a big fan of it too, because now I get to, I get to get new music from my favorite artists you know, every six weeks, every eight weeks, as opposed to every two years. Uh, and I think it's beneficial for the artist because let's say you put out a, a, a new song, right? And let's just say it's not well-received. Mm. Bag it, move on to the next, create a better song, produce a better song, and now you have something else to release. As opposed to doing a full album, it takes two years to do. Um, you put it out there and, you know, God forbid it flops, then what? Like, 
Dude, I mean, you nailed it. Like, you know how many flops have happened on Universal or, you know, um, Capitol Records where, you know, they, they spent two years in the studio writing this millions of dollars. It flops. You get dropped from your record label. You have no outlet. And, you know, it's just so it's so fucking rough. Yeah. But now I've had a, I've a couple songs flop hard, dude, that nobody liked. <laughs> it's like, all right. Well, I know that, and uh, I got it. No problem. I got another coming out next month. So. No, won't do that again. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk about some of the songs. I mean, like I, I, I was was unfamiliar with your music. Um, again, one of the reasons I love doing this because I get introduced to new stuff. Um, you know, the song "Tear It Down." I think that's one of your uh, most recent releases. Now, when this goes up next week your new song vertigo will have been released. So go check that out on the, uh, the streaming platforms, but tear it down is uh, as of uh, September 7th is your, your newest song. Um, I mean, that song makes you want to run through a wall. Dude. So that song um, is a collaboration between me and a producer out here in LA named the under and the under is we, we met, uh, because we're both we both write for Riptide Music Group. It's a sync licensing company out here in Culver City, and that's how we met. And we just collaborated on this one single song. And he's he's got this style where it's very cinematic, but it like just the music alone makes you want to just punch through a wall. And um, I don't know, man. There's not too many lyrics in this song, and I don't think there needs to be. Uh, we just we just felt like uh, tearing tearing shit down, and so the song was basically. I think that I I think that um it was written right around the time of the uh, the Russian invasion, and um it, it was just really hard to to fathom. Uh, it was hard to fathom what was happening and um, the innocent lives that were that were being destroyed. I remember. Uh, there was a period of time where it, to send money to the people in Ukraine, people were renting Airbnb homes in the Ukraine and not going. Obviously, they were just renting it so that those people could have income and have money. Right. And I remember um, doing that. I rented a home in Kiev and uh, I, I was messaging the, the homeowner. She owned a small apartment in Kiev. And she was scared to death. And she's this innocent person that has nothing to do with anything that's going on politically. And um, she's scared to death. She lost her job. Um, bombs are blowing up around her. And, and there was just so much desperation in the messages that I was receiving. And I was just like, you know, God bless. Like, why are we doing this shit? Why, why does this have to happen? And um, I kind of, I, I guess I've I've written a few songs inspired by that whole Russian invasion, but but tear it down was definitely like, guys, what the fuck are we doing? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, the world is is not what my parents um, told me about when I was growing up. Yeah, and I think a lot of it has to do with. Um, you know, social media, you know, politics. Um, I'm, I'm sure there's more to it than just that, but, uh, you know, 
we advanced so quickly over the past like 10 years. Just just so much to it, I think. It, and I don't know. Money. The money is, I think, the root of all evil. Mm-hmm. But you know what's interesting, though, is like, again, media got uh, decentralized. And so we were able to see all of the angles of what was happening with this war. We have never, we haven't had this type of a war that I can remember since 2001. Um, but, and, and that was back when everything was controlled and we could hear one single thing. We could hear one single voice and that was either Fox News or CNN. Right. This happened. It was interesting because we had decentralized media already. People were getting media from TikTok. I mean, people in, in like on the ground floor, just people, they were like, Hey, so this shit's happening. And then they video what's happening. Mm Mm-hmm. And people were getting their media from all these other places. And it was very interesting because now we have a broader perspective of what's happening, whereas Russia does not. The people in Russia are still under that 2001 model of there's one media source and there's nothing, there's no other perspectives. And I work with people in Russia. Uh, I have uh, songwriters that I work with in Russia. And they had to switch from, they had to switch from the WhatsApp to a different platform to message me about what was happening and if they were okay. And they wouldn't be able to actually message me. They had to like do a a message on notes and then screenshot the note and then send the note to me so that they couldn't track letters, I guess. And um, they were trying to get information to us. And what they were trying to communicate to us was, listen, I don't know what the perspective is of Russian people right now, but we do not approve of this. We don't want this. This is tarnishing our reputation. We have no part in this. This is one person and one person only. Nobody else wants this. And that started getting to the masses and, and you know, the different platforms. And so... I agree with you where the, it is a very polarizing world, but I find it a very interesting point in time because we have decentralized news media and we now have a broader perspective of what's going on in the world and we can we can get more perspectives so that we can have a greater understanding, you know? You're right. Yeah, 100%. That's a good way to look at it too. With that being said though too, it's like there's so many outlets. It's hard to like know what's what's true and what's not there you go that's, that's the, the problem that's the scary thing like it's like i and like there's so much shit that's so unbelievable it's like that this can't be real this if cannot photoshop, be real photoshop is amazing now like you can do <laughs> i don't know who to believe anymore it's like why why and i i got in a fight with somebody not a fight but it was a friend of mine too because i was like why, why do i have to like question you know, government officials and uh, they're supposed to be here serving us and, and having our best interests in, at heart and, and, and in mind and all that kind of stuff. Like, why do I have to constantly question them? Mm-hmm. And the person like, well, you have to do your research. You have to, you know, you know, uh, read this article and, and go over here and, and get that. And, but I'm like, I don't, but I don't know who's right and what's wrong. I don't know who's lying to me. Who's not mm-hmm. crazy. But it's kind. But isn't it? Isn't it totally satisfying when you see like a, a video of one of these politicians, like you know, that say one thing and then there's a little secret video of them doing the exact opposite. Uh, yeah. I, 
technology is kind of interesting because um because it's allowed us you know to see oh that that fucker yeah yeah <laughs> or like i mean i feel like they they forget that this all exists and like things are documented and things are are able to be researched and what you said in 2003 we Stop. can go back and get that and oh. bring it to the year the, the current year and be like remember you said this remember you were a against uh gay marriage like and now you're all for it because you're trying to to you know garner votes and shit like that it's just like do you, did you, do you forget how this shit works yeah yeah that's that's the cool part about technology but I, I agree with you there's so much information and perspective now yeah. you have it's very difficult to know what's right and what's wrong yeah yeah man i'm with you well, the uh, the new song Vertigo comes out on September 9th, which will again be before um, this airs. So again, if anyone's listening to this or watching, please go check that out. Your new album, uh, October 7th, yes. titled Black Hole Magic. Yeah. Um, what can we expect from that? Um, so the black hole magic was written it's it began i began production on it in 2020 and um as we discussed it was whenever i was going through a period of time where um i was addressing ego and addressing shadows that i had and mental health awareness and depression and anxiety and um understanding that the, the album is basically me understand understanding what's happening in my brain and um, what happens in everyone's brain. So what you can expect is kind of a roller coaster of emotion. And um, I think it ends very well. And I I'm very proud of it, man. I really am. It's it was a it was a very difficult undertaking. It's very scary to put myself out there uh, based on, you know, is anybody gonna like this? You know am I going to find an audience? This is the very first time that I put myself out there as an artist because I have been in the background writing for other people. So it's vulnerable, it's aggressive, but the conclusion is pretty great. Sweet. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Um, again, it's October 7th, right? Yeah, 7th. 7th on all digital streaming platforms. Now, do you plan on releasing it on you know, hard copy at all or not really? If the demand is there. I would love to do hard copy. I miss CDs. Um, the, the, the fidelity of CDs is killer. Yeah, man. I don't, I don't even think that I have a CD player at this moment. Not in my house, not in my car. Dude, I don't think I do. I don't. I don't. I don't I think don't. I... Yeah. So... I, I miss not, but if there's a demand for it, then I'll print them. I'll print them. Absolutely. No, that's what I grew up with. I mean, I mean, I miss going to the uh, you know video store. You know, Friday night, girlfriend, pizza. Let's go watch a movie. Let's go to the, the blockbuster down the street. I mean, that there was nothing like that. I mean, it was it was like such a simple pleasure. And I say this all the time. You know, we have Netflix and Disney Plus and this and that and everything. I spend more time looking for something to watch than I do watching something. It's just so much content, bro. It's terrible, yeah, though. I remember that. I remember the blockbusters, dude. Uh, I remember. Do you remember the? Uh, do you remember the food at the blockbusters? Like the nine dollar 
Twizzlers that you like. They just they just killed us on food choices. Um, the DVDs, if you didn't turn them in in time, you get like a ninety dollar fee. Oh yeah, like big trouble. We had to fight. We had to we had to be strict with you know returns and shit like that. Be kind. Rewind. Yeah, man. Dude, you're going back. Big you're trouble. Going. I'm old, man. I'm like forty in like a month and a half, two months. That was the heyday, bro. It was. It was just such a simple time. It's like, but like, whatever was on the wall is that's all that was available. Like that's what you got to choose from. And and there's times where we'll, my wife and I will settle on something. We'll start watching it, and we're like, eh. I'm not into this. Are you? Nah, not really. And it's like, okay, well, let's spend another 30 minutes trying to find something new to watch. It's like, I just missed like going to the, the store. Like, this is what you have. These are your options. Take it or leave it. You take it home. You're going to watch it regardless because you paid for it. It's all you have. Like, you know, suck it up. Yeah. Do you remember the awkward phase where Netflix was a DVD service? Oh, yeah. I, I remember when, when I went to streaming, my buddy used to continue to get the DVDs mailed to his house. I said, what are you doing? What are you doing? Me too, because I loved the, like you're talking about, I loved yeah. the process of like, I got that shit in the mail and I get to pop it in and, you know. Well, I, I remember like CDs and, and going to the, there's a local music store here. A lot of those smaller places are, you know, dead and gone, but it's uh, it's called the Joe Nardone's Gallery of Sound. He used to have, I think, 11 or 12 stores at one time. Uh, now I think he's got two but, um, I mean, back when new releases came out on Tuesday, it was such a great day. It was like kind of like the middle of the week. So I was like, I was used to love going to the, the, the record store on Tuesdays to, you know, find new music. And I, I used to go in, in there and just, if I didn't have anything new I wanted to buy, I would just go through like the used section and just buy something on randomly just to just kind of check it out. Um, but and I did that for a long time, but then I found myself spending fifty bucks a week on on music because I would never leave empty-handed. Like if I went in there and didn't find what I wanted, I still bought something. And I'm like, I'm spending two hundred bucks a month on on CDs. Really? I'm like, that's not financially responsible. I mean, I can pay ten bucks a month and have everything. I know, but dude, I remember finding like one of my biggest finds in in that used bin that you're talking about was like Stevie Ray Vaughan and Double Trouble, okay, live, and it's all fucking scratched up, and you know it's just beautiful. Yeah, uh, yeah, man, I do miss those days. And then the records kind of made to come back, and like I'm not into that. Like I just, you know, people will say it sounds better, and I call bullshit. Um. But I mean, I think it's cool because there's, you know, the art and everything's, you know, tied to that. And, but I was like, I already have my CD collection is out of control, you know, when I was buying CDs and I can't afford to, you know, create that, that habit again. And I had nowhere to put it and store it. And yeah. I'm not about to sit down and, you know, put a record on. I don't have the time to do that. Yeah. Um, that's just I, don't like, I don't like clutter, bro. So I'm totally, fine I can tell you're, you're out, your room here is spotless. It really is, man. Like that's my over here is my vocal booth. If if you can see this, this is my vocal booth. Okay, that's my setup. That's my that's where I produce music, and then that's it. Like this is my studio. Yeah. So this is the way I like it, man. I don't like clutter. It's very uninspiring to have a bunch of clutter everywhere. You're right. <laughs> 
I always, when I clean my desk off at work, I feel inspired. Yeah. <laughs> when I feel it's a fucking mess like it is right now, uh, it's, uh, you can definitely feel that weight on your shoulders. Oh, dude. Yeah. But before I let you go, I told you I was going to bring things full circle. We started talking about mental health. Um, you mentioned you're in a, um, a Lincoln Park tribute band. Is that still active? Yeah, we're active right now. Um, and yeah, we, I guess shows have just picked back up for us. It started probably about six months ago where we started getting booked again regularly. And we were in uh, the South not too long ago. We just did a tour around um, like the San Diego, Arizona, Vegas area. We're going to Chicago, Illinois, Wisconsin in a couple weeks. Um, yeah, we're all over the place, dude. It's a lot of fun. And it's called In the End? In the End. In the End Tribute. Very cool. It, now, did you start that before or after the passing of Chester? We started that after. We, we, we're, all a, we're a group of session musicians. We've been playing together for a very long time together. And... Uh, I grew up on Chester. He's an inspiration to me. I remember popping in, you want to talk about CDs. I popped in Hybrid Theory for the first time, and it blew my mind because of his versatility. And um, so I grew up being inspired by Chester's voice. And I kind of fell away from Linkin Park for a while. And then the passing of Chester reintroduced me to their catalog. And I just started listening again. And it was like, dude, he's, you know, He's been crying out for help for years. That's what I wanted. Is that's how I was bringing it full circle. I mean, especially that last album. I mean, you listen to that, and it's, and then you listen to even stuff prior to that, and it's like, it's it's kind of, I don't want to say disturbing, but it's almost like, wow. I mean, it's obvious. Um, I think that I think that Mike. Shinoda had a lot to do with the lyrics as well, but they were tapping in on something that they were tapping in on the beginning of mental health awareness, because this was kind of the first time that people have come out blatantly saying, I need help. You know, when, when, when has anyone come out blatantly that I can remember? Um, I don't know. I feel like that that had just started coming out about 25 years ago. So it, no, it was like, yeah, you could definitely tell, and it's albums worth of stuff. And he had just lost his friend Chris Cornell a few mm -hmm. months, ago, the exact same thing. And um, you know, a few months had passed, and I was getting back into the LP catalog, and I called my my session based friend, my my session based player friend, and I was like, dude, what if we do that? What if we do this? Like, do you think how, do, how would it be received? How would it, this is a very sensitive time. It's a very sensitive topic. It's a very sensitive catalog of music. And I just got in the studio and started testing my voice to see if I could do it. And it took me about six months to develop my voice to where I could do 45 minutes of a show, of an LP show. We went out and played at Viper Room. Our first show was at Viper Room there in the sunset. Sweet. 50 people showed up, then 150 people to the next show, 200 people, 500 people, 1,000 people, 4,000 people. It just started taking off. And I remember talking to my friend Barry Squire, who uh, I think he had something to do with Lincoln Park. I think he was a manager of Lincoln Park at one time. But Barry, I met with Barry because he's a friend of mine, and I was like, what do you think is going to happen when we do this? Because we're doing it. 
And he said, one of two things is going to happen. People are going to love it or they're going to think it's blasphemy. And it's up to you what they choose because that's my part. That's mm-hmm. what that's what I'm singing. And so I was like, great, no pressure. Uh, <laughs> get my studio, work my ass off a little bit more. And um, everything is so far so good. Cool. Yeah, I did. Very cool. Well, like I said, I'm excited for the new album, October 7th, Black Hole Magic. Um, when this airs, the uh, new single, Vertigo, will be out. All the streaming services create that demand, make some uh, old school CDs, maybe Just, some some records. But um, if you want to buy one, I'll create a batch and uh, we can sell them on the Popco show. All right. I just got a batch of shirts in. Uh, we'll, we'll sell We'll sell your your album and, and my shirts. Let's do it. Let's give a po- portion of the proceeds to mental health. I'm in. Let's go. You want to check it out here? Kind of. Uh... <laughs> oh, dude, that's awesome. That's badass. <laughs> only, only me, the idiot, would put a, his own face on the shirt. Show your son that. Be like, no, I'm, I'm a strong buffalo. Oh, oh, dude, he he laughed his ass off when I brought it home. You, just, you got a kick out of it. Yeah, it was awesome. I wish I had that recorded. Yeah, man. Instead, I have it drawn on the fridge with my 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 big belly. I feel like you and your son could have a really good comedic podcast together. Yeah, maybe one day. Yeah. Yeah, he's awesome. He's a good kid. But uh, Chris, thank you so much for doing this. I mean, um, we got deep early. I was not expecting that. I'm glad we did. I, I feel like we talked more about life and hardships and you know the positives about it more than we talked about your music i hope so i hope this was uh you know at least good enough for your for your music outlet but um i think it's fine bro i enjoy i think music allows music as a springboard to life and um if you're talking about life if we're talking about life and we're helping some people man that's what this is all about yeah for sure well thank you again enjoy the uh la weather Stay safe. Thank you, my friend. Thank you very much. All right. All right. See ya.